Welcome to The Bold Platform. My name is Adrian, and I'm the creator and host of this podcast. If this is your first time listening to one of the episodes, thank you so much for coming and listening to our podcast. And I really hope that you love today's story. Um, there's probably about another 25 episodes if you scroll back through your podcast app or through our website. And we'd love for you to take a listen to any of those that might grab your attention. Um, the podcast was created in early 2019 by myself as a way to highlight stories of Australian women and girls who are working on either a hobby, a project or a full social enterprise or charity that are somehow leaving their community a little bit better than how they found it. Some of the people we interview um, are just in the early stages. Some of them are years and years into their business or their project and everywhere in between. So the point of the podcast is really to highlight these stories, but also as a way to provide encouragement to people listening that if they've got an idea and they're not sure you know, if they should start it or how they should start it, to hear these other stories to really give them that encouragement on how it could potentially work for them and how they could get started. So today I am joined by the beautiful Crystal from Pink Hope. So welcome to the Bowl Platform, Crystal. Thanks for having me. Let's get straight into it. I would love to ask you um, what Pink Hope is all about and how you got started. Well, Pink Hope um, to me is kind of, it, it has helped me um, beyond words because basically I was a 25-year-old young BRCA mutation carrier and for your audience who might not know what the BRCA mutation is, it was made famous by Angelina Jolie um, and it puts a carrier's risk of developing certain cancers, so breast, ovarian, colon and other cancers up considerably compared to that of the general population. I was laying in my hospital bed after navigating kind of what was a complex and often isolating experience and I just had a double mastectomy and I felt that there was just nowhere where I could go to, nowhere that offered me that kind of real understanding and community and support and I grabbed my laptop. My mum actually handed me the laptop and I created a very simple forum um, and that was what the early stages of Pink Hope was. It was just an opportunity for me to create something that gave meaning to my experience. Um, you know, I come from a family that's had multiple generations of breast, ovarian and colon cancer, each at increasingly earlier ages. And that's how it originally started. But now it's become uh, one of the fastest growing women's health organizations in the country the Women's Preventative Health Hub focused on preventing breast and ovarian cancer in at-risk women. And I couldn't be more proud. I guess it's opportunities like this where I get to talk about how far Pink Hope has come that I then go, well, you know, I'm not that girl in that bed anymore with that laptop. I, I feel really empowered with the choices and decisions I've made in my life that's led me to create Pink Hope, which ultimately I think gave me a home and a place where I felt connected. Absolutely. So let's go right back. How old were you when you um, were, when you realized that you were a carrier? Yeah. So I was around 14 when my mum was diagnosed with breast cancer. That was a really life defining moment for me. Mm -hmm. I found out then, and I'd known for a long time, but that my family history of breast and ovarian cancer was extensive. My grandma, my great-grandma, her only two girl cousins, like it's around 20 uh, women in my extended family. Right. 
And it was it was about when I was about 18 that my mum and nan tested positive for the BRCA gene mutation. They were one of the first in the country to be tested. Mm-hmm. I wasn't ready then. Um, it wasn't until I had my first baby in my early 20s um, that I decided to be tested um, and I t- came back positive. And I really struggled for a long time with that information. And so you then, it was it suggested to you or did you decide to have the surgery? So I can remember getting my results um, with my geneticist and she said, don't worry. She held my two hands and she said, don't worry, Crystal, your outcome will be completely different to that of your mum and nan's. I looked at her and I said, how? Mm. She said, you have information. Um, You have this knowledge. Now it's up to you to decide what to do with it. And to me, that was empowering. But at the same time, I was like, you know, I have the very gene mutation that is pretty much killed or, you know, hurt every woman. Like I can remember when I was little, like putting my nan's prosthesis in and running around, like thinking it was hilarious, not knowing the full implications of what it meant to be a woman in my family. Mm. And it, it... I went on to Dr. Google, the best and worst decision that you can make (laughs) because I became automatically educated um, in one night. But I also then had an opportunity to connect with other people like me globally. Um, And I connected with a couple of people in America who at the time were kind of more pioneering in this space. And they had gone on to have preventative double mastectomies. And to me, that seemed at the time, I was like, I was breastfeeding my son. I was like, God, like, I, I couldn't even think about doing that. Mm. Um, but once I started, I, I petitioned to get access to early screening. Um, they wanted to start screening me at 30. And I just said, I'm not going to cope waiting till my 30s um, to start having kind of my mammograms and ultrasounds. And... Basically, um, I started going to my 12-month scans and there is an actual thing called scansiety. <laughs> I would get so worked up um, going to these scans where I would physically not be able to sleep. I suffered from insomnia. Um, no amount of chamomile tea was going to fix that for me and it wasn't until I was about 25 um, where I had made the decision to have a preventative mastectomy the following year and I was going for one of my last screenings and they took, they, they did the mammogram and it was unusual that day because they came back to take another lot of um, images oh. and I went, this, this has never happened, is everything okay? And they said, no, no, it's, it's okay. And then they said, can you wait? Um, we'd, we'd just like to, um, you know, someone to come down and talk to you. And I was like, oh, my God, what's going on? And they said, we found linear lines of calcification in your breast tissue. I was 25. Like, I basically, I sent it straight to my um, geneticist and she goes, it doesn't look good. Um, and I was like, what? I, I wasn't ready for that information. So I went upstairs um, to my surgeon at the time and she said yeah it does we will do a biopsy you have two decisions we can send you upstairs for a biopsy or you can move your preventative surgery forward um and I just looked at my mum who was like gray and I just went 
how soon can I get in? And I was in having my breast removed two weeks later. Wow. Um, and it turned out that it was um, angry cells, so it hadn't turned into cancer. And I felt like, wow, I've dodged a bullet. But I never wanted to be in that position that every other woman in my family had been in. I was like, I have been given this incredible gift of knowledge. And if I don't action that, I felt like a sense of responsibility to the women in my family. I felt, you know, had they had this information, they would have done something with it. Yeah. And I felt like I owed it. Yeah, a different path for them. Yeah, I felt I owed it to them. And so in your 20s, you've had this surgery. What was it that you were looking for that you couldn't find, which is how Pink Hope created? Was it a, you know, like a physical meetup situation? Was it an online forum? Was it pamphlets? Was it blogs? Well, basically um, I went to a leading uh, not-for-profit and I said, you know, can you connect me with others? Is there any way that you can help me? And they said, we're a cancer organisation, so once you get cancer, we can help you. And I went, what? <laughs> I don't want to get cancer. Yeah, yeah I don't want I to don't, be eligible. Who can I connect with? Like, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, help me. And there was no place for me. All I wanted to do was connect with someone like me mm. where I could ultimately lean on them a bit where I could go, are you feeling this way? Is this normal? I didn't want to have to put all that burden on my mum because she had her own health issues and I just felt like I didn't have cancer. I didn't deserve to be feeling sorry for myself. Um, And that was my mentality and all I needed was to connect with someone that was feeling those things. Um, And I shared my story with 60 Minutes and they connected me with another BRCA mutation carrier called Stacey. And she's like the secretary of the board, sounding ambassador, like her and I have been besties for forever. Mm. And she was kind of my pink coat. She was that person that, um, you know, I could sit down with and have a cup of coffee or I could call and we called each other like going, you know, I've got this pain under this arm. Is this normal? So... She, in a way, along with my mum, was really the impetus and inspiration for me to do something more. I've never been someone who can kind of sit back and go, well, someone else is going to do this. I was, I was like, well, I am somebody yeah, and I can do something about it. Yeah. And it's not been easy. Like when you start a not-for-profit, you are not doing it for the fame, the glory and the money mm. because that does not happen Mm. um you end up sitting behind a computer wearing every single hat known in a business like the bookkeeper PR marketing website editor I've had to do all those things largely for a big portion of time by myself but it was the stories and the people that connected to Pink Hope that I went this is actually worth all the hard yards because something good had come from what my family had been through. And in terms of Pink Open, what it looks like now, how different is that mm. to what you had imagined that day in your bed? Oh, goodness, that's a good question. And no one's really ever asked me that one. Um, I would say it's exactly what I would have wanted and more. 
Um, you know, we've got events called She Shares, which can, takes our online community offline and enables them to sit down and have coffee or yoga classes or a smoothie or whatever it is. Take those relationships that have been kind of curated online offline. We've got retreats where um, one of our partners, Girls Getaways, provides us with beautiful homes and hotels where we can give our community a bit of respite, either people who have had cancer or who were going through something that I did. We've got an online genetic council of resources, information support days. I, I didn't believe when I got my laptop out that we would be able to be as extensive as what we are, but I think it comes down to the amazing people that we've got working in the organisation and the community. They're really... We, we go wherever the change needs to occur um, and, we, and we, when the, we don't ever say this is what we do 100% because we deliver what we need to for the community. It's a great point you made. Can you talk us through what your organisation looks like in terms of the makeup of the team? Yeah, um, so it's a very small team and I've liked to have it small because it just gives you an ability to be more nimble but also because as a not-for-profit you want the majority of everything that you do be invested in your mission. So we have um, myself um, as the founder, we have an events and a digital girl um, and then kind of a a roving position. Um, Currently it's kind of deputy CEO that really helps the operations of the organisation but that's really kind of it. We, we're at, at any one time, we have a max of kind of four people in the organisation and some of them part-time, which I'm really proud of because the amount of work that we do um, and the amount of programs and support and advocacy and education that we do, a lot of people would go, geez, there's, there's no way that you're that small of a team. Mm. But it just shows that if you get passionate people that anything's possible. And how important are volunteers um, and members of the community to Pink Hope in terms of the successful running of these programs and meetups and events? Well, just for instance, um, we've got a retreat happening soon in Victoria. So we've got a beautiful home um, and they're going to have yoga classes. That's actually being hosted by um, one of our ambassadors in Melbourne. So Everything we do is for our community. Um, everything that, because I'm one of them, like I'm, I am exactly the people that we're trying to support. So everything that we do is very centered around um, our community and the families like mine. Mm-hmm. Every campaign that we do, the faces of it are the women and the families in our community. Like we have a campaign at the moment um, that's running in September called Bright Pink Lipstick Day and the faces of the community are kind of like our models. Um, yeah. We share their stories. We put we put their um, faces on advertising, which goes national because we have a partnership with O-Media and they're really the stars and the heroes of our organisation and the reason why we exist. Absolutely. Um, One thing I wanted to ask you is, are there certain people that have come through the 
doors in in air quotes um of pink hope that really stay stay with you that people that you kind of keep going you know this is exactly who we're doing it for or those there's certain stories that really stand out for you and your family oh my goodness like we call them the originals like we have a a huge group of people who have been involved in the organization since day one and some of them have become like family to me Mm. where um you know I think it's the stories to me where they literally go pink hope saved me like Mm. not only uh, we did an event the other um month where one of the communities stood up and said I took your know you risk tool I took it to my doctor and then I found out that I was at risk you saved my life and I just went like oh my gosh (laughs) like to have a hand in changing people's futures enabling them to take preventative action whether that's fighting for early screening whether that's preventative surgery or just accessing genetic testing like we are at the beginning of it all Mm. we're helping these families kind of really decode their risk and then take active steps to reduce their risk. And I can't take all of the credit in any way. It really does come down to, you know, so many of our ambassadors who have been with us from nearly the beginning mm. where they have, they're then the ones that support the new the newbies and they're the ones that host fundraisers and really get behind the message of Pink Hope. Mm. And and to me that we wouldn't exist without those people. Crystal, what does a normal day sort of look like for you now in terms of your your day-to-day work or day-to-day, um, I guess, work in terms of pink support and, and the other things that you do? What does a normal day look like for you? Every week is different for me because I don't just do Pink Hope anymore. I have um, other things in which I do, which is really exciting for me. Um, But I definitely take on that traditionalist founder role. Like I'm very strategically driven. So I would ensure that the team is focused on what's happening, how can we do better, um, problem solving um, and, and just kind of being that face and voice to ensure the issues that are faced for families like mine mm. are on the agenda. Mm-hmm. We've advocated for particular issues, um, reducing local genetic testing prices, ensuring insurance discrimination, um, you know, that changes occurred in that. I wrote an op-ed piece that went viral and global and really kind of set the precedence for ensuring that genetic insurance discrimination was firmly on the government's agenda. Um, we, we fight for issues that I don't want to see my daughter or my children have to face for the next generation. So that's something that I'm really passionate about mm. where I want to spend the majority of my time changing the future for families like mine because I don't want my daughter or my sons to go and get genetic testing and they walk the same exact path that I have or their grandmother has. I want it to be different for them. Absolutely. Do you have a physical space that you work out of with the other team members or do you all work remotely of each other? We we are quite flexible. We're a flexible working environment, but generally we have a hub 
or an office space, a small mm-hmm. office space on the northern beaches of Sydney yep. where the majority of the people work day to day. It just enables us to work together as a team. Um, you know, I can remember when I first started Pink Hope, it was so exciting if we got one phone call a day. It was like, <laughs> oh, my goodness, like, oh, my goodness, someone found us. And now the phone rings nonstop, which I just go, that is incredible. Like, And I, I guess for me, um, it's different for me to say anyone else because it's the little things that, I go like a phone call or an email that says, you know, you have literally changed my life. That mm-hmm. to me is everything. Um, it's it's the big moments are great, but it is honestly those little things where someone calls and I go, like what I've been through and what I've created is making such a difference. And it's honestly the emails and the phone calls. And what are the nature of those sorts of, what are the kind of breadth of the phone calls and the emails, the inquiries? Is it a mix of, um, you know, people that are needing support and media or families not knowing how to support someone in their, um, in their world that's been given a diagnosis? Like what's the nature of those phone calls? Oh, and- gosh, I can remember phone calls where, say, it was an 18-year-old um, girl that said my mum's just been diagnosed and I just need to talk to someone yeah um or someone going I've tried to get access to genetic testing say at this facility can you help or provide advice or it's literally like you know we had a lady call the other day um and she was like I'm just in chemo at the moment I can't even get out of bed Mm. and those the, the fact that they call us, the fact that in their most vulnerable moments, they want to call us. I go, you know, I think we have to do everything in our power to help them get to where they need mm. um, and get the information that they need, um, obviously from evidence-based resourcing. But the fact that those people trust us, and they want to connect with us because I always wanted Pincoat to be that friendly um, kind of best friend support yeah. rather than that, you know, overarching where the experts, um, where people don't feel comfortable to DM us or call us. Like people reach out to us every day of every moment because we're like that best friend. We provide quality and evidence-based information, but we're not kind of that um, non-relatable organisation where you connect with them in a really meaningful way. Yeah, and I guess you provide that kind of personal connection as opposed to what may come through when it's more in terms of those more medical conversations and I was having this conversation um, when I interviewed Sam from pink elephant support network which is around miscarriage support where there's a there's a space for both in, in terms of that totally or this is what you need these are the tests you need this is the procedure you need but there's also a time just for someone to sit and be like well this is shit want me to make you absolutely a and, and we have that really great 
combination of the both. We have our information and support days where we have the experts and the scientists that you can meet and learn from, Mm -hmm. and we have them nationally. We have an online genetic counsellor where someone, if they need really more robust information, we don't give it to them. Um, Our um, website has been curated by geneticists and genetic counsellors, so the information on there is evidence-based. But there's going to be times we will never provide that level of healthcare information. Of we kind of are that conduit between the patient and the expert. Mm. Um, and we provide that level of peer support and education, but ensure that they have access to the scientists and the, the experts that, that as families that need to decipher information and then often share it with a wider family. Mm we give them the tools to be able to do that. And I guess there's many people through many circumstances that don't have families like you or I or, or groups no, of girlfriends yeah. or work friends or, or friends through the gym or whatever it might be that you and I might have and they don't have those people to turn to and call. I guess that there well, would be like I, a portion I of I think people, yeah. even though cancer is common, I don't think people's understanding of it is. Yes. It's very unusual to sit around with your girlfriends. And, you know, I was at this um, kind of catch-up one day and we figured out that there was three nipples between us. There was eight of us. Like those kind of things, yeah, like (laughs) those kind of things are not normal. You couldn't sit down with your girlfriend over lunch and it's rare that someone can actually understand what it's like Mm. to have what is often a chronic illness that you have to deal with. I had to have a colonoscopy the other day and have like pathology and people just don't, I'm 36. Mm. Like I've had my breasts removed. I had a prolapse last year where they had to remove everything out of my body. Like I'm constantly fighting to exist. Mm. But when I hang out with my friends, I just want to forget about it. Sure. I just want to sit down and have, you know, a champagne and feel okay and chat about things that aren't related to this. So I've nearly got kind of my pincoat family on the side where we can have those conversations, which enable us to kind of have another life outside of what we're going through. And a place to escape that conversation around cancer or your diagnosis or your treatment or you know, which I can only imagine can just become all consuming. Yeah, it it does. And I think, you know, I've never had a victim mentality, but there's times where I do feel sorry for myself. Um, My mom is always like, you know, come on girl, we'll be right. And, and perspective is such a valuable tool for me. Mm. I feel grateful to be alive because I love my kids and I love my husband and I love my life. Mm. And I'm not, as sick as so many other people are, I just have constant and chronic issues with my body that I have to address in order to survive. And every year I have to have at least two major surgeries, which is exhausting. And I think from the front of like when I go out and I put some makeup on and I get my hair done and I look great, people wouldn't know. Unless I was wearing my boobs and my vagina on the outside of my body, people wouldn't know. Yeah. Like they just, 
and that's why it's always so important to me kind of as a women's health advocate that we're just kinder to each other Mm. because it is really you don't know what someone's going through because often as women we can hide it very well Yes. And like you said, just then, and before we started recording, you know, you never, you can see someone walking down the street. You have no idea what's going on inside their head, inside their heart, inside their, inside their body. You just have, have No. no idea. No. And I think that's relatable to lots of different things, whether that's mental health or Mm. heart health or, Mm. you know, um, cancer or miscarriage, or we Often it's a rarity that someone isn't going through something. Absolutely. And I think, you know, we've just got to really be mindful of that as friends and as women. It's a really great um, point to lead into my next question, which is something that I do like to ask all the guests on the Bold platform. Given the people that you're talking to every day, the support you're giving plus your own ongoing health, how do you... um, take care of yourself how do you make sure that you are in a position both physically and mentally to continue to give as much as you do to so many people on a daily basis well there's two kinds of ways I love working um I couldn't not work it's it's nearly in essence my sanctuary and an opportunity for me to kind of forget about what's going on in my life Mm. I fell into motherhood I was 20 when I fell pregnant. My husband and I have been together for 16 years. Um, We've got three beautiful children. Like being a mother is the best job that I have in the world, but it's not the only thing that I do. So being able to focus on work and opportunities um, kind of give give me something else to do because often I find if I'm at home, my mind can wander and I can think about, you know, worst case scenarios or get a bit anxious. So if I'm constantly occupied, that's good for me. Mm. Um, I time out with my girlfriends is a big one and holidays is a big one. Um, For so long, my husband and I didn't, it was like 10 years we didn't have a holiday. We just worked so hard to be able to afford to live in a home Mm. and raise our three children And we went on a family holiday to Fiji and it was like one of our first holidays together as a family. Mm. It was life-changing. It was the best thing that we ever did. We had so much fun and it just removed us from everything else that was going on. So every year we book a holiday without fail. I I don't care where it's to. I have to have that to look forward to. Mm. Um, And that's something really important because just that time out and exploring and often I'm not thinking about my health when I'm having a holiday. Sure. Um, and Netflix. <laughs> <laughs> what are you watching? Give us your, your recommendation. Oh, I've watched it. I've literally watched everything. Um, now They See Us. I watched Now They See oh, Us. Yeah. I think it's Now They See Us. Oh my god! She's around the is like, that the New I, York Five or? Yeah, yeah, the Central Park Five. Central um, Park Five. I stayed up till four a.m. with my <laughs> husband watching that when we were like, we, my daughter was away at a friend's house for a sleepover, and she's the one that keeps us on our toes. Like we cannot sit down and rest when she's around. Mm-hmm. How I love her to death, but 
Um, she's nine. Right. Um, my two boys are super chilled, um, very easy, but she's like a goer. Um, <laughs> it cannot, she cannot sit down. So my husband and I were like, we're going to go out. We're going to have a few drinks. We're going to go out to dinner. And then I was like, we just ended up watching back to back that series. Um, so much so that we even finished it off with the Oprah interview with all of them (laughs) because we were just so into it and then we looked at the time we were like wow we're those people um (laughs) I love that you stuck together and watched it like not like other couples oh yeah like you cheated you watched Netflix without me no we we were committed (laughs) once we were halfway through there was no going back it was profound and I love those series where I'm kind of chalk and cheese so I give me like the bachelor or something that enables me not to think and process it's just crappy tvs and escapism but then I really love kind of those series or movies like the help and things like that that really target um really topical issues that you have to think about and actually gives you such perspective about what other people face in the world Um, and those but you can only watch them occasionally because otherwise you're just constantly thinking like what a shit world (laughs) oh I totally agree you really need to yeah Yeah. that's why I think of like a lot of people you gotta pay shows like The Bachelor or Love Island or Survivor yeah Big Brother in the day whatever it is but it's Survivor this year. Yeah, it is really good, actually. I was watching it with my family It's last really night. good. Well, it helps when there's, like, really good-looking guys on <laughs> I just love watching Janine. I just think she's an absolute... Boss. Oh, she's... Oh, you know that she's, like, in it to win it. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, there's no one going to mess with her. Um, <laughs> and she is really... She, um, you know, you can see she's so driven and, mm. yeah, she's cool. Smart lady. I'd like her to win. Me too. Well, apart from the Survivor Grand Final, what is coming up for (laughs) you and Pink Hope that you're excited about and that's like getting you going every day um, and and keeping that kind of energy that I can, you know, hear in your voice uh, going, which I'm sure, you know, sometimes is harder. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. So um, we have a long-term partnership with the Langham Sydney and they've created a, one of the first kind of hotel suites charity hotel suite um in the in the country and 100 percent of the profits come to pink hope it's called the pink hope suite and you can actually stay in it it finishes at the end of september so that is something you've just got to go visit the langham sydney and look at pink hope suite so that is something that has just been so cool and for people to kind of go in there they get my book they get an amazing experience and they learn about pink hope and they can do it with their bestie or their partner. Mm. And it's just been an incredible activation that is, you know, we have such a great partnership with them that we get an opportunity to do some really cool activations. So it's been an amazing experience. And then obviously on the 20th of September, it's Bright Pink Lipstick Day. And this particular campaign is one where we ask people to kind of be braver with their conversations and ask three questions Mm -hmm. to their family um, or, or kind of their friends and family. How many people have had cancer in my family? What type and at what age? And those three questions enable you to kind of figure out what your family health history risk could be. Not all 
cancer is common, but clustered cancers uh, would generally suggest it's hereditary in nature. And the what majority does cluster of cancers kind of, mean? Just for myself and other people might not know. You've, you've got three or more cancers in your family, even right. sometimes two, like young cancers. So um, breast cancer before the age of 50, any ovarian cancer because obviously say a BRCA mutation is is reasonably common in serous ovarian cancers you've got a family history of um you know any kind of cancer that bowel melanoma Mm -hmm. you know it's I don't think we actually think I think for instance we have a lot of young women in our community I'm talking in their 30s that mm-hmm. have like a breast or ovarian cancer and they inherited the BRCA gene mutation from their dad. Right. Yeah. So theoretically, you can inherit breast or ovarian cancer through the males in your family. Got you. Okay, I understand now. Yeah. So yeah. I think, you know, we always go, oh, breast or ovarian cancer, it's a woman's issue. Yep. But it's not. No, um, it's not. Get 50% of your genes from your dad and 50 from your mum. Mm. So I don't, we really need to understand over at least three generations and our extended family what illnesses have affected our families mm. so that we can be preventative in the way we approach life because we literally have one body. Mm. Mine's a lemon. I would have got a trade-in if I could have, (laughs) but I can't. So I've got to deal with the one that I've got. But it's really important for us to understand, you know, our heart health, our mental health, our cancer risk, um, our diabetes. And like you said at the start, it's about education. Mm. Yeah, it is. And I think we don't necessarily see ourselves I think we're untouchable until something bad happens Mm. and we're so consumed in our work and everything that's going on day to day that sometimes health falls maybe third or fourth on the list. Mm. Often if you're a mother, that's the case because you've got your children's health before you, your husband's health, everyone else is before you. But we have to listen and be intuitive with our bodies because often they do talk to us. We've just got to be smart enough to listen to them. Mm. I knew that I had an issue with my colon um, because it just was too, uh, I just knew. And I went and had a colonoscopy last week and they found five polyps, which is, and big ones. And they've come back that they're okay, but they're the nasty ones, the pre-cancer kind of ones. And I just knew. And had I not listened and left them, who knows? Um, So I think it's just really important that everyone kind of listens to their gut. Mm. And if a doctor says, no, don't worry about it, get a second or a third opinion. Yes. Because once we lose our health, it's very hard to get it back. And so that's what this campaign is all about, is just having those conversations, yeah. three simple questions and 
knowing the answers and then educating yourself, like you said, at the very top yeah, of the episode. So exactly. And we do it through lipstick because, yeah. you know, lips save lives. Mm. It's conversation. It's starting that conversation and being brave and bold because then they're often awkward conversations. They're yeah. not easy to kind of sit down and ask these questions, but it's imperative for us as the next generation for us to be able to look at risk-reducing strategies we need to know what our genes have have in store for us. Mm, absolutely. If people yeah. are listening and they want to um, support you somehow or someone in their world could benefit from the work that Pink Hope is doing, where is the best place for people to find out more um, about the work that, yeah. that Pink Hope is doing? So the number one hub for us is our website. So if they jump onto pinkhope.org.au, they can connect with us, they can donate, they can shop where 100% of the proceeds come to the work that we do. Mm. And it's just full of information and personal stories and previous kind of webinars and interviews. But also we love people to connect with us on Insta. So it's at pinkhopeaus. And just DM us. Like it's a simple... We obviously have such an engaged community, but we want to support as many people as we can. Mm. So if it's just emailing us, calling us, DMing us, we're here, we're all there willing and ready to support. Um, But, you know, there's obviously events and lots of other things that come up throughout the year that having people support and attend um, would mean the world to us. Absolutely. So that website is pinkhope.org.au and then there's links to your social platforms on there as well. Yeah. Amazing. Crystal, thank you so much for coming and sharing and being um, so generous with your health journey and also the story of how Pink Hope has come to be where it is today um as crystal mentioned their website is pinkhope.org.au they've got an amazing campaign bright pink lipstick day commencing next friday september 20th so please get on board all the information is available on their website um thank you for listening to another episode of the bold platform feel free to share crystal's story with someone in your world maybe a friend a work colleague someone in your family and you know use this episode as a way to start a conversation and well as well around um you know the health of people in your family if you've wanted to maybe ask a little bit more around well what is the history and you know if your your grandparents are not around find out a little bit more this episode could be a great way to start that conversation with people in your family. So Crystal, thank you again. Um, On behalf of the listeners, I'm wishing you very good health, not only to you, but also to your family. And thank you again so much for coming on the podcast. Yeah, thank you. And I think it's an amazing podcast to really share these stories and the unsung heroes in the community. And I'm definitely going to go back and listen to as many of them as I can, because really at the end of the day, it's the real stories that inspire me to continue to push forward. So thank you. Thank you for the work that you do as well. Mm